Hello, Insatiable listeners. Season six is now complete. We are on a break in between seasons. I'll return on Wednesday, February 13th with a new theme and a big surprise. I can't wait to share it with you. I am so bad at surprises. So let's just say that if you love the type of conversations we have here, rabbit holes and experimenting, you're going to love it. In the meantime, enjoy these podcast interviews I've done recently. They are quite a range of topics, but hey, you know that's how we roll here. And there will be a few classic episodes leading up to season seven that will help you get the most out of the season and a clue about the theme. Also, if you enjoy the show or have benefited from it, I'd so appreciate a review. You guys totally rallied this summer to get us to over 100. We're currently at 105, and I would love for us to get to 150 by spring. It really helps the show as it makes it easier for others to find it. And I'd like to read two recent reviews. This one from Insatiable Listener, and her review, or his, was more smash the part patriarchy than light and love. If you want trite, simplistic solutions to health and wellness, this is not the podcast for you. You won't find bad diets or tidy, Instagrammable quotes, but that's why it's amazing. Allie has a gift for interviewing that brings out her subject's authentic wisdom. It's perfect if you're curious about how to be healthier in all senses of the word, appreciate the nuance and complexity of our unique bodies, or if you just want to hear smart people talking to each other about how to navigate and destroy cultural systems and reassess our, cult- our collective values. Thank you so much for that uh, five-star review, insatiable listener. <laughs> Love that you're into uh, reassessing our collective values. And another one that I'll share from Design Lover 757997. Nuance, smart, and sassy too is the title of her five-star review. She says, I'm exhausted of the constant unhealthy messages that barrage us everywhere from Instagram feeds. Seriously, those people with the super round butts, they don't tell you it's implants. To our diet culture in general, Insatiable is my personal weapon of resistance against those messages. It's balanced, intelligent, and Allie, the host of the podcast, brings in some of the most interesting people I've heard in podcast interviews. Look, if you want to break free from rigid rules, but still live a healthy and balanced life, Insatiable can help you carve out your own path. No rules, no dogma, just thoughtful new ways of seeing and being in the world. Thank you so much, Design Lover 757997. And I'll be reading some more (laughs) uh, in in some upcoming episodes. If you have time or, again, have benefited from the podcast, here's how you can leave a review. You launch Apple's podcast app. You tap the search tab and you enter the name of the podcast you want to rate or review, in this case, Insatiable. Tap the blue search key at the bottom right. Tap the album art for the podcast. Tap the reviews tab and then tap write a review at the bottom. And if you don't have time for that, if you could just rate it, how many stars you would rate it. That is also super helpful as well. And thank you for being a listener. Having stimulating conversations is what I most treasure in my life. And I get to have them here. And then with you on Instagram, where I connect with so many of you through your emails and and also with our guests. It's a joy I cherish deeply. Look forward to seeing you back here in a couple of weeks for new episodes on Wednesday, February 13th. And in the meantime, enjoy these recent interviews and classic episodes. When you're fed up with fighting food and your body, 
Join us here. I'm Ali Shapiro, creator of the Truce with Food program and your host for Insatiable, where we explore the hidden aspects of fighting our food, our weight, and our bodies, and dive deep into nutrition science and true whole health. Fair warning, this is not your parents' health care. This is a big rebel yell to those who crave meaning, hunger for truth, and whose lust for life is truly insatiable. Believe me, freedom awaits. Welcome, everybody, to season six of Insatiable. This season, our theme is radical healing and what's possible when we get to the cause of what ails us. And we're using activist Angela Davis's definition of radical, which is to get at the root of things. We heal when we're in choice, not when everything goes our way. So we're going to explore how to get to the root of our stories and how radical healing changes our lives. Before we get to today's paradigm shifting, talk about rewriting a story about what health means from a biology weight perspective, I do want to invite you to the 2019 round of Truce with Food. Truce with Food is my online personalized program that creates lasting food freedom. It runs only once a year and registration opens in January. I would love to have you as an insatiable listener interested in these topics and especially rewriting your story, join me and a small intimate group of others as we finally call a truce with food. Again, the program only opens once a year, so don't miss out. You can join the waitlist at alishapiro.com backslash truce with food 2019. All right. Now on today's episode, which again, another bucket list person, my friend and (laughs) expert to the extreme, Brandon Mentor. Have you ever wondered why you love to watch sunrises and sunsets? Or if you travel overseas, they tell you get outside and you feel awake or how it's nearly impossible not to stare almost hypnotized into a campfire. Today's answer may surprise you. We are going on today's episode, Light Mitochondria Dysfunction and Weight Gain. Brandon Mentor and I discuss healing through light. Brandon is going to share what made him pay attention to light as a factor in health, weight loss, and personal training. We're also going to discuss how light frequency and body magnetization, an overlooked root cause of problems like weight gain, autoimmunity, and sleep disruption, and cancers like breast cancer. It's caused by light frequencies, and the results from looking at nutrition and health from a light perspective, plus some recommendations on light hygiene in developing our skin sun callus. So you're going to have your mind blown. But first, a little bit about Brandon. Brandon Mentor is a strength and conditioning coach, probably one of my oldest Philly friends, sports nutritionist, and functional medicine practitioner. Based out of Philadelphia, he's been working with people for 20 years. He has a degree in exercise science and multiple certifications from various organizations covering a wide range of disciplines in the health and fitness industry. Guys, when I'm confused, I call Brandon. (laughs) He has over 100 publications online and in print, has written a book, and has been fancying the emerging field of quantum biology for the past four years. Thank you so much for being here, Brandon. Awesome. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, yeah. So we met, what, like 15 years ago? I don't even know how long ago. At a Paul Check, another kind of health rebel, one of his trainings in Philadelphia. You had already taken it, but I was taking it. And I remember thinking that like 
you did you surprised me to be who you were. I thought you were going to be like machismo, like you're so buff and attractive and you had diamond <laughs> earrings and then you're like <laughs> soft spoken and humble. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit of a pattern interrupt. I'm kind of kind of like a, a weirdo as far as as far as that goes. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't I remember- wear the diamond earrings anymore though. Oh, you don't? You lost them? <laughs> no, no. I have like little little pea shooters. That's about it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so I have been studying light. I've been talking about it with my private clients for a while. They're so excited about this episode. And I'm so excited for listeners to hear it, as well as people in my group programs. Because I've started paying attention to light the past several months. And I am intrigued, fascinated. And I want to know, First of all, how you started paying attention to light. And by light, I mean the sunlight, the blue light from our computers, and even frequency of light like EMFs, so internet connections, cell phone. When did you start paying attention to this invisible factor in terms of health, weight loss, and training of your clients? Well, I started to look at light as a kind of health modality in an effort to, I've worked with many clients, hundreds of clients. And the, the thing is that everyone is, is different biologically. You know, so much variation. What works for one person doesn't work for another person. So I've always been kind of in a frame of mind to be reductive, I'm trying to like figure out like what is the essence of what makes a person more healthy versus unhealthy. And after kind of like going through some rabbit holes and digging down to the roots, you know, breaking down food to the absolute smallest unit, which is electrons, by the way, breaking down sleep and how it helps us recover and how light influences that. Everything kind of like came back to light frequencies and magnetic fields and electromagnetics. And it's kind of like a, an obscure field, but you have to go to physics. And that's where I kind of started to venture into more of like the quantum biology aspect of it. When there were, there were some answers that there were some questions that biology couldn't answer for me. And I had to look to physics. And as I got more into physics, I started to go down more rabbit holes and find out this person and that person and how physics drives biology. And in order to understand light and how it works on our bodies, you needed to use physics. And then when you marry that to biology, you have what's called quantum biology. Because the platform of our entire physiology, believe it or not, is based off of quantum physics. It's actually incredible. Like, we're all literally superhuman. We're all beings of light. Like that's not woo. It's, it's actually been, been proven scientifically and proven for decades, but nobody really pays attention to it because we're so biology focused. And again, like I said, I kind of ran into walls with that. And so I had to go into physics. So as I did that, I found more and more that, you know, light was, was really what was driving things. And it's, it's hugely important, especially at this time, because our technology is, you know, exploding and booming and getting more and more of it's proliferating into our lives at a rapid rate. It just keeps going. So let's take a step back because this is a huge paradigm shift and we're not going to be able to (laughs) help everyone shift their entire Mm -hmm. mindset for the wide ranging implications of this. But you talk about biology, you were hitting walls with biology. So you had to go to physics and now you understand, you're still understanding biology, but from a quantum biology perspective. Can you explain some of the key differences and maybe how we would have to unlearn certain beliefs compared biology compared to quantum biology? Right. Okay. So the first thing you need to understand or realize is that the mitochondria 
is probably the crown jewel, the centerpiece of our entire metabolism and health. And as you break down some of the typical modalities that we use, like, you know, food and sleep and things like that, it's really all in service to the mitochondria. So, you know, we learn and we hear that the mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell. Well, it's, it's way more than that. That's just like, that's like saying the president of the United States is some dude that sits in Washington and signs some bills. It's much more than that. So make sure you go vote tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no. By the, way, By the time so. this goes out, we will have already known. I'm, I'm, I don't oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> Cover all my bases. Yeah. <laughs> but the mitochondria are basically like the crown jewel. They're very, very sensitive to magnetic fields and light, and light frequencies and current. So if you boil down food, right, to what we actually need and what we extract from it, it's actually electrons. There's a long process that it goes through from a carbohydrate and a protein to a, you know, an amino acid to the, the basic mo molecules of what food are. They basically convert into electrons. And there's a thing in the mitochondria, it's called the electron chain transport. And food electrons basically enter into that system. And that drives all of the energetics of our body, right? There's actually a motor. It's a quantum nanomotor in the mitochondria that spins at a rate of 9,000 RPMs per second. Now, just to give you an idea, if you were in a car, that's 102 miles an hour. And wow. that thing is fast. It's like having a Ferrari basically in, in your cells. Okay. And we have thousands of mitochondria all over the place, right? Humans concentrate their, their mitochondria in their heart and their brain. So you can, the, the faster that our, that motor spins, it creates a magnetic field and there's an electric current that, that goes through it. That's why you can measure like a heart field, like 22 feet away from your body. That's been shown in, in studies. The brain is, is very similar as well. So you have a high magnetic field and it's all because of these electrons are basically, you know, running the system and electrons are basically a particle of, of light. So whether we get electrons from the sun, if we get it from water, if we get it from food, that's what it ends up being. And to the degree that you have electron density is your ability to basically like charge your batteries and run all of the metabolic processes in your body. So obviously that kind of like relates back to nutritional density. That's what you're really actually saying. So we say, okay, you, know, you should have a diet that's, you know, nutrient dense. So what those nutrients, you know, through the vitamins and the minerals, amino acids, proteins, fats, carbs, all those things, they basically end up into electrons. There are some foods that are more nutritionally dense and there are some that are less. So like, for example, processed foods, they have less nutritional density than, you know, natural foods, organic foods. And there are some that basically have none, you know, like sodas and, and candy and things like that, right? There's really no nutritional value whatsoever. So when you start to break down all of those foods and you have a high nutritional density, you increase your electron density. And that's why you feel better because you have more batteries, more power to run your, your system. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking too, just for listeners, for them to understand, if it weren't for the mitochondria, we would all be bacteria still, right? <laughs> like Absolutely. Well, well, mitochondria is a bacteria and we stole it, you know, or it was millions and millions of years ago. Right. <laughs> well, it became, it, it became, we, we kind of like usurped it and took it in and we, it, it's an endosymbiotic relationship basically. So we took it in and we integrated it into our physiology. So all eutherian mammals, which is, includes humans, 
mammals that hibernate and things like that, we kind of brought in this mitochondria to help us move across, you know, the plains and lands as the evolutionary man did. Because to or, power us know, through, to, right? <laughs> to power us through. So we basically have like a battery battery charger that is recharged every day or supposed to be recharged every day by the sun. And that's how we do it. Plants do it the same way. The problem is that, that plants don't move. So we have the advantage where we can move across the tectonic plates and then move across the earth. And we need some way of charging our system and evolution selected for the sun to be able to do that within us. Oh, thank you so much for ex explaining that because what I wanted to show people from a philosophical standpoint, we often think of Darwinism, survival of the fittest. And, and that, that is true. However, nature is much more cooperative. And the mito us taking the mitochondria, I mean, you could say we taked it or we could say we all cooperated together. <laughs> so we all survived. Is well, much it's been a beautiful relationship so far. So maybe yeah. we didn't like steal it, but it, was, it wasn't ours to begin with. But I guess it happily, you know, integrated with us. I, I yeah. think, you know, and the, the symbiosis is you need, you need me, I need you. So yeah, so it's, it's kind equal, of like it's right? cooperative. Yeah, it's a fair yeah, relationship. And I think yeah. what you're saying, and the reason I want to bring that up is because we often think of the sun as like, you know, you're going to get tan or people are actually afraid of the sun, right? Like we should even talk about how you don't need to use sunscreen. I mean, that's a nuanced answer. But what I'm trying to show people is we actually need to be in cooperation with our environment. It's not an afterthought. It's not something that just happens. Like your health is so, imp like your relationship to your environment is so important of the sunlight and the, the rhythms that are instigated by the sun. So that's why I just wanted to kind of like, there's a huge philosophical jump, right? And we used to think that the mitochondria was ruled as a hierarchical from the nuclei, right? But now we know it's actually getting inputs from the environment. It's not a top-down hierarchy. It's, a, it's a, a give and take. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. It's a total environmental sensor. It actually pays attention to what's going on in the environment. And that information, whatever the environment you're in, you find yourself in, is what drives mitochondrial function. So we have two genomes. We have a nuclear genome and we have a mitochondrial genome. And actually, Dr. Doug Wallace, who is a PhD here in CHOP here in Philadelphia, he's going to win the Nobel Prize because he's the one that actually discovered that we get our mitochondria from our mothers, from our maternal line. So what he was able to find was that 80 to 85% of the diseases that we experience today, like, you know, all the neuro neurodegenerative diseases, the metabolic diseases, like, you know, diabetes and metabolic syndrome, things like that, are mitochondrial in nature in terms of, like, their dysfunction. And so what happens is the mitochondria typically pays attention to your environment, pays attention to light frequencies and all of those things. And so what happens is if you put on, like, say, sunscreen, or if you are in artificial light, like fluorescent bulbs, if you are exposing yourself to blue light, which is any screen that you're looking at, your phone, tablets, iPads, computer screens, even the LED TVs have an effect because what you're looking for, where we've, we've gotten away from full spectrum lighting, which is the sun. You know? mm. And you talked about in the beginning how people love a sunset, love a sunrise, we love being by the ocean because the magnetic fields are, are higher there. Those are all cues that, that's by design. We're all cued to be addicted to nature and connected to nature. That's what the whole science of grounding is about. You know, there's a huge magnetic field that, is, that the Earth emits. It's a 7.83 hertz. It's the Schumann resonance. 
our brains, the alpha, the alpha wave of our brain waves actually resonates at the same exact frequency, 7.83. So we're designed to be connected to the earth. And we've disconnected ourselves through technology, through indoor living, through artificial lighting. And it's starting to maximize and become a little bit more risky and dangerous as our technology and our technological power increases. And we don't know what the effects are. We kind of do because they've been studied, but they're latent. It's like, you know, what you do today won't have an effect for, you know, months or years. And that's, that's where it's insidious. That's where it's, it's a problem. But you can't really go wrong with, with nature. So getting out in light, full spectrum light, getting out of artificial light and mitigating your exposure to non-native, what they call electromagnetic frequencies, dirty electricity, even, you know, electrical pollution, electro smog, all those kinds of things all play into you know, the health of, you know, light health, the new, new field. Yeah. So just to back up quick, you know, on, on the podcast a lot, I talk about the patriarchy, but guys, this is one of the ways that it's screwed us over. They were only looking at men and not the value of what the mother brought. (laughs) And this is not to blame women because we have to, what, what we're talking about here is the environment that a child is grows up in right in the the nine months matters as well as the the mother's health is so important and the mother's health is not all on the mother it's on us as a society to support the mother's health so but this is just i mean we talk about these things and i want people to understand the downstream effects of the loss when we just dismiss you know an entire sex not gender but sex of the of Right. And that actually plays into the role of how like the health system works too. So like I I mentioned before that there's a mitochondrial genome and a nuclear genome. Well, everybody in medicine is focused on the genes, like, you know, from the nuclear genome. Well, what happens is at what epigenetics is actually. So like, you know, epigenetics are are the, the additions from your original blueprint of your genetics that get added on from what happens in your environment. Well, that's all mediated through your mitochondrial genome. And what happens is you don't want to ever turn on your nuclear genome because that means things are bad. That means it's like your house is on fire. We have to go back into the system to try and reboot it. So it's important to make sure that you keep your mitochondrial genome intact because it runs all of the energetics in the system. So if that gets fatigued or if your mitochondria, you know, get damaged or dysfunctional, then it signals to your nuclear genome that like, hey, look, we've got some problems. We need to go in and start to change the genetics of how we express our bodies and express our, our, our reality to adjust for these, these problems. So you're in a hostile environment and let's say you have a, let's say a, a less than ideal environment. Let's say you're around a lot of power lines and, you know, electro smog and, you know, you got a stressful life, a crazy job and all this other stuff, whatever genetic predispositions you have in your nuclear genome say it's cancer or diabetes or anything like that, those things will start to be expressed because your body is trying to pivot so that it can help you be a sustainable organism. And that's not necessarily what you want. So like cancer, right, for example, is a morphing. It's trying to turn away from a hostile environment. It's almost like it's trying, you know, like cancer, a cancer cell is someone that doesn't feel a part of the family, basically. So Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like it's like an orphan. Yeah, it kind of goes its own way, and it's like, all right, you know what? We're going to create our own community. And what do cancers do? They, like, cancer meta- metabolics is very cultural. Like, you know, you kind of create little colonies. You have like tumors, and you have satellite cells, and all these other things. It kind of runs its own network, and that is a reflection of the environment that you find yourself in. So there's even a cooperative nature that you have to have 
with a thing like cancer or any kind of disease because your body is really trying to figure out how to integrate itself. And a lot of times we take the approach of like, you know, fight cancer and all that other stuff. Sometimes that's not very helpful because it puts you in a, obviously like in an aggressive, angered state. This is why, you know, mindfulness and meditation and gratitude and all these things are helpful because it's more cooperative and less combative. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I want to go back to about other issues that come up when our, so basically what I'm hearing is we have this like this genome that is genetically driven, but then we have this other genome that's mitochondria driven that is trying to protect. Right. It's kind of like the, the protection so that you don't have to ever go to like, <laughs> you know, like do or die mode. And right, exactly. You don't want to go back into your system and, and, and have to reboot. Because yeah, yeah, it's almost like pulling on your backup battery, right? Rather than just using what's, it's like, oh, that's, exactly. that's draining, that's draining. One of the things though, you know, and, and I love that you brought up cancer and, and obviously autoimmunity issues as well, our immune system then starts to mm -hmm. weaken. But I think one of the things that would really surprise people is about weight gain, right? We're kind of, we think of weight gain as like excess energy. However, if we look at it through this quantum biology and mitochondria lens, wouldn't it be an energy deficiency? Okay, so... Or no, am I wrong? It's an energy inefficiency. Oh, okay. Put it that, put it that way. Put it that way. Okay. That's like a little okay. bit more... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 that's that's kind of a little, a little bit more... Because, you know, you can have a deficiency as far as like a dysfunction, but that doesn't necessarily mean... Because sometimes you want to be able to like reduce things and, and be deficient in certain things and, and efficient in other things. But anyway, so when, as far as weight is concerned, or like body weight... Like what happens when you, you know, sprain your ankle or, you know, you bruise something, it swells, it gets bigger, right? One of the things that mitochondria do is they're, they're basically Im embedded in water. And so there's a geometry to it. And this is where like the physics comes in. So the geometry of your mitochondria determines how well they run. So if they have a tight geometry, everything's coupled together, right? And they have like a, a tight relationship together, then the electrons can tunnel through. It's a principle known as quantum tunneling, right? So if the mitochondria are not tunneling properly and the geometry is spread out and they, they're spaced apart, then what happens is you have gaps in electron tunneling, you have gaps in energy, and you begin to swell. And what happens is that causes inflammation because the opposite of electrons is protons. Now, protons, if you break it down into physics, is basically just inflammation. So what happens when you have inflammation? You have redness, you have swelling, you have bloating. And this applies to basically all organisms, all life, all matter. So like, for example, uh, a, great, a great analogy has to do with like stars. So if you remember from like, you know, grade school, you learn how stars turn into like red giants because they're starting to basically lose a lot of light and a lot of energy. They get bigger. And the same thing happens in, in, in people. The same exact thing happens in people. So when you lose light, and you lose energy, and you have gaps, if those electrons can't tunnel and bridge across, then you start to expand. And that's where obesity kind of comes in, because it's also, it also plays back into light. Diabetes, you know, your resistance for like insulin, melatonin, all of these things that are supposed to be tightly coupled and work close together, tend to drift apart. And that's when the mitochondria start to bust, they start to be dysfunctional, there are programs in the system like apoptosis, which is basically cell suicide. You have autophagy, which is, you know, cellular cleansing. You have mitophagy. These things basically are, are control mechanisms to make sure the system is running smoothly. 
But if you're not supporting it with the proper light frequencies or an overexposure to artificial light, like blue light at night, things like that, then you start to, your mitochondria start to like break down and that causes more inflammation and then the swelling. So what happens is if you don't have a healthy enough full spectrum dose of lighting, I guess you could say, and you have an excess of like say blue light or artificial lighting, what will happen is you just create more and more inflammation. And when you start to expand, there's really not much that food can do because it's the light environment. Like you can eat as, you know, there's people that, that'll try to work out as much as possible and eat as healthy as, as, as much as possible. But if they don't fix their light environment, then you have a problem with trying to like lose weight, trying to be a fat burner. So for example, I'll give you an example, right? Mitochondria oscillate at a hundred Hertz which is the perfect fat burning frequency in a mitochondria. If you are exposed to like say blue light or even radio frequencies from like say a cell phone or Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or any kind of like, you know, anything that gives off a signal, then what happens is the, the oscillations change. So instead of burning at hundred Hertz, you're burning at 60 Hertz. So you're not able to really utilize the metabolics of, the food that you eat and, you know, the metabolism that you would get from a normal fat burning. And so that's because your mitochondria are paying to pay attention to all these things. So if you don't get the metabolics right with your mitochondria, then things start to break down and things start to slow down. So then you can increase weight. You have more, you creep up with like certain diseases, your hormones get thrown off and just the system just gets really, really sluggish. So not only do you have an expansion problem from like say inflammation and swelling you also have a, uh, a slower metabolism. So it's like a, a double whammy. It almost, if, if we think of like the battery metaphor and we're thinking like a phone battery, I'm thinking it's almost having like 25 different browsers open and everything just spinning. <laughs> it's like oh yeah, absolutely. Getting stuck there and like slowing you down and almost like, yeah, as you were talking, you know, I, I love finding root causes because then you simplify. You're like, okay, I just have to focus on these three levers. And it sounds to me why I wanted to especially do this is light is to me is one of those levers now that I understand it. It's like it helps with sleep. It helps with hormones. It helps make sure your metabolism's running well. It helps your mood. It helps everything else. And it's like if you can just prioritize this, a lot of other things fall into place. Right, absolutely. And you got to get, you have to get your light right because the solution and, you know, the antidote is, is in it. And you have to, you know, we heal in the red and we kind of like damage in the blue. Okay. So, for example, blue light basically raises glucose independent of food. It causes insulin resistance independent of food. It also causes the breakdown of the inner membranes of your cells, right? So, when you have all of these effects kind of like affecting your body independent of food, it's almost kind of like you're in, in between a rock and a hard place. Because if you don't know this, then you could be on the cleanest diet possible or, you know, on some type of program as far as health, but you're taking one step forward and one step back because you haven't corrected for, you know, your light environment. That happened to one of the keto guys. You have, have you heard of Jimmy Moore? I've heard of him. Yeah. Wasn't he paleo? I thought he was paleo. He, he was paleo and he, he, was, he was obese. He was, he was paleo, lost some weight, and then he went keto. So he went keto and keto is actually an interesting diet 
protocol that you can use, what it actually, what it fundamentally does is it puts the brakes on a physiology that's kind of like out of control. So it really works with people that are unhealthy because you get quick changes because you're basically activating a primordial set of metabolic factors and regulations that helps kind of like keep you healthy. So in the short term, ketogenics works. But what happened was Jimmy Moore, he does a podcast and he's like, you know, a health professional. He's around a lot of technology and blue light and all that other stuff. He stayed on because he, you know, obviously keto worked for him. So he stayed on it and that was the gospel for him. So he became the keto guy. Well, after about, you know, several months, he started to, his weight started to creep back up and he kind of gained all the weight back. And one of the reasons why is because he never really factored in for his light environment. You know, he's around, he, he does a lot of podcasting, he's around blue light and internet and Wi-Fi and all this other stuff. And if blue light can, and electromagnetic EMF can affect your insulin resistance and affect your blood glucose and all these other things independent of food, there's not much that keto or any kind of diet will do because that's the, the root cause. That, did that someone sense? tell him that? <laughs> Jack Cruz has been telling him that for years. <laughs> <laughs> but he won't listen? I don't know. You know, he's got his own platform and he's got his own thing. It's, it's almost kind of, it's tough to, to, to pivot off of, you know, if your business model is all off of like a keto platform, it's kind of tough to pivot and say like, okay, you know, this and that. But, you know, it's, I don't know. Oh, the um, truth no has problem. a hard time. The truth, it's like, <laughs> the truth has a hard time <laughs> nope. in wellness too, because there's not as much money in the truth, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shit that people are selling you. You don't need supplements. You don't need all the meal plans. And that's a whole other. Well, that's, that's, yeah, and that's the thing. And that's the beauty. That's the, the beautiful thing about quantum biology is that all of the remedies and solutions are free. Yes, you know, light, yes. Water, magnetism, grounding. I mean, it's just, well, and I got some, some protocols for you guys so that you can just implement stuff that's, that's just so simple. It's just so easy. You know, well, and, that, and I think that's the, the challenge, right? And, you know, I mean, I work on so much of narrative coaching and, and helping people own their story. And the, the big challenge is, is when you're in a certain paradigm, you don't know what you don't know and, and you block yourself from knowing the very information you need. And so you stay in these like crazy loops. Yeah. And, right, exactly. And if we think it, health has to be complicated and that you buy it and it has to be built up and we're, we're a culture of extremes, right? It fits in that narrative mm -hmm. and of linear oh, yeah. of, okay, input in, input out versus, look, if you charge yourself up, like doing these basic things, exponential results because nature is exponential. It's not linear. Exactly. And that's a great point. That's a, that's a, a, a fantastic point. I was actually going to bring that up because that's one of the things, if you want to actually understand your own body, understanding like quantum biology and everything like that, everything is nonlinear. Like, so a small thing has a massive effect. It's not like, you know, one, one for one. It's not that at all. It's, it's usually like the opposite. It's just, it's not, not linear at all. Yeah. And I'm thinking of like how we all get in these vicious cycles. So let's take, for example, sunscreen and the sun, right? And I, I did it when I was in, living in Philly, I did a whole NBC segment on foods that help you better absorb the sun, right? People don't realize that the foods that they eat can help prevent sunburn based on like if you're burning and now granted you have to have regular exposure to the sun, but if you're burning when you go out into the sun, it says that you actually need more light and more light density from a nutrition standpoint, not sunscreen, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like using sunscreen is like, 
if you were to plant, put a plant out and then put a tarp over the plant, it's not going to grow, not going to yield any fruit if it's a fruit plant or anything like that. So sunscreen and, and any, even clothes can be problematic because what actually is, it's, it's really interesting. This is, this goes back to the nonlinearity. Light is localized too. So where you actually get the light matters as, just as much as getting overall light in general. You know what I mean? And so like, for example, like breast cancer. If you want to heal through light, you need to actually expose your breasts to light, you know, and, but obviously we have like cultural norms. You can't walk around naked and things like that. So, but I've actually recommended my clients that have like their own private backyards and, you know, obviously there's there's no creepers around or anything like that, like to (laughs) expose their skin as much as possible to, you know, healthy AM light, which is really where all the healing is AM light because AM has primarily infrared light and infrared pierces the skin all the way down to the the fat layers, the subcutaneous fat. And so what happens is the infrared has all of the light frequencies in it that help repair and heal. So a lot of people may not know this, but melatonin is actually made by AM infrared light. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a solar hormone. You release it at night, but it's built in the morning. Ah. So taking melatonin at night is like going to make you fall asleep in the morning. <laughs> well, it, it it can do that, but the, well, there's, there's worse things. Like taking melatonin sometimes has useful applications, but on the on the in general, as a rule of thumb, you don't want to take supplemental melatonin because it uncouples your system. Melatonin is tightly regulated, mm-hmm. so if you take an ex- exogenous melatonin, you throw off your endogenous melatonin. Oh man, this is like a a forewarning of not taking, why you shouldn't take supplements without, you know, really knowing what you're doing. Right. There's a lot of things like that. And and insulin is is the same way. Insulin is built, you know, in the morning as well. So so they're solar hormones, insulin and melatonin. And melatonin is made in the eye. The signal to make melatonin and release melatonin is all regulated by the eye. So if you look at a, so like, for example, blue light is a light frequency that typically is more prevalent and present in regular daylight around noon, you know, like 10 o'clock to four o'clock or so. Blue light is, is pretty predominant. And we need blue light because it actually uncouples our body. It uncouples ourselves so that we can liberate energy so that we can move and do things. But the thing is that blue light within sunlight is balanced because you have full spectrum light. You have blue, you have red, you have green, you have all those things. Now, there's also a light temperature associated with, with light. It's, it's uh, measured in Kelvin, right? So blue light and regular sunlight outside, outdoors, is somewhere between 1,400, 1,500 Kelvin. So Kelvin basically will tell you your light temperature of like how bright it appears and how powerful it is. So take a guess of what a cell phone emitting blue light has a, a, Kelvin, a light temperature of. Oh. I'll just I'll just make it easier for you. It's like upwards of six thousand. <gasps> That's which like, is oh massive. My, oh my god! Yes, it's massive. It's bad. It's really really bad. And so what happens is every time you look at your phone, you're telling your eyes, your or, or or you're exposing your eyes to the stimulus that it's noon. So like let's say you you know come home at nine o'clock or eight o'clock, you know from work, had a long day. What do people mostly do? They sit on the couch. They watch some kind of like mindless television on their LED TV with blue lit screen. They're looking at their phone on Facebook and going over the day and catching up on this and that. You're telling your eye that it's in your, your body that it's 12 o'clock in the day. It's noon at a time when you should be 
winding down, you should be getting tired and melatonin is being prepared to, to release. But what happens is blue light destroys ocular melatonin. As I said before, melatonin is made in the eye. So the signal gets triggered from your eye basically off of the, the absence of light, darkness, obviously. But if, you come, if you're coming home at a, at a time when you're supposed to be you know, winding down, getting pre- prepared for sleep, and you're flooding your eye with blue lights from TVs and iPads and Kindles and, and, and smartphones, you're basically shutting off and destroying melatonin. So the melatonin that's supposed to be released at night when you sleep is, is non-existent. And that's why people sleep. It's horrible. It's, it's terrible because you don't actually have the melatonin to, to regulate all that. And then melatonin is also one of the most powerful antioxidants you have in your body. It's actually more powerful than glutathione. Everybody thinks, oh, yeah, glutathione, glutathione. Melatonin it blows glutathione out of the water. And wow. melatonin also, it runs all of your repair and regeneration pathways. So, you know, obviously there's, there's a, there's a re- repair and restorative element to sleep. If you destroy ocular melatonin, you get none of that. So what do you do? You wake up tired, right? You, you wake up and your, your sleep was probably crap. You may have slept, but you didn't get any restoration. And then so how do you go on about your day? What do you do? You drink coffee. And then a lot of times nowadays, people, the first thing they do when they wake up is check their phone. So instead of having a normal rate of light exposure from full spectrum light, like a sunrise, for example, you're flooding yourself with a 6,000 Kelvin light temperature, destroying any melatonin that was going to be made for the next day. And you're just, now you're in a wicked cycle. And that's where the adrenals kick in to try and, you know, help that out. And that's where you have like, you know, adrenal fatigue or also known as adrenal resistance and things like that. It's just, you just start to run down your mitochondria and your melatonin pathways, everything. It's just really, really bad. Wow. You know, as I'm seeing this, it's like, sometimes I'm imagining people listening to this are like, oh my God, like this is another thing that I have to pay attention to. And it's because we are so out of whack with nature, right? Like if we would just follow nature, everything would be easier. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let me tell you, like, here's, here's what you do, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best thing you can possibly do is to make sure that you see a sunrise. And I actually didn't really start to notice this until I applied it to my own sense because I'm, I'm a pretty healthy person. I, I understand my health. I'm very well in tune with my own body chemistry and things like that. And you're buff. Check them out on Instagram, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try to be buff. And, you know, the, the more healthy your mitochondria is, the more buff you can be. And the more you're able to keep your weight off and stay in a, you know, a healthy body fat composition. But I ride my bike everywhere. I haven't had a car in over 10 years. So I ride my bike and I have clients in the morning at like, you know, 5.30, 6.30 in the morning, you know, super early. I notice one thing. I always see the sunrise. I always, I'm out and I'm always exposing my eyes to the sun or at least daybreak. Okay. So the most important thing you can do is get out into the AM light. So you're talking about seven o'clock, eight, eight thirty. That's like the, the sweet spot, depending on where you are in the country and your, you know, your latitude and all that other stuff. There's a great app you can download. It's called D-Minder. D-Minder is an app that basically tells you where you are locally to find out how much time you need in the sun to create I forget how many I use of vitamin D it is. It's like 2,000 or 3,000 or something like that. It'll tell you in minutes. Like, okay, you know, today you need to stand out in the sun for 15 minutes or in daybreak so that you can make X amount of vitamin D for you. The free app, it's, it's really good because it'll let, let you know what's going on geographically in your area because obviously every, every area is different. 
Yeah. But what so happens we have, to, is, we have to use blue light to learn how to be in the sunlight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Look at it so, at noon. <laughs> Look at it at noon. Right. Right. Exactly. You can't, or, you can't take the baby out with the bathwater because we need some of it. But you just want to make sure that you have more of like a natural light than you do the artificial light. And so, by, by sunrise, mm-hmm. do you mean because because I've been telling people at the dog park about this, okay? Because <laughs> once I get on something, I have to tell everyone. And they were right. saying, one guy was saying that he's read that there's two different types. There's like morning light and then there's sunrise. Is there... Okay, so... It doesn't have to actually be the sun because like, you know, like say six o'clock in the morning, 545, the sun's not actually up yet. It's, it's, it's cresting though, right? right. So as long With as you have summer. like day, right, exactly, exactly. Just daylight. Daylight is fine. It doesn't have to be like, you don't actually have to see the sun. Oh my God, I've, not to interrupt you, but me, I'm so enthused. I've been staring at the sun. I'm like, I want it. I want it as it rises. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Okay. So don't well, do don't, that. don't do, don't look directly at the sun. But no look at everything dots. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> a little too black. Your, your, your eyes are Alex. smoking right now. Yeah, your eyes are like smoking right now. I can see. Okay. No, you don't want to look directly at the sun, but you want to look in the direction of the sun so that your the rays are are bathing your retinas. So no so that means people. no no sunglasses, no sunglasses at all. That's like putting a tarp over a, a tree. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's just not gonna it's just not gonna work. And you don't need to spend a lot of time out there. You just need to be out there for about, say, like 15 minutes. And that's how you actually build your solar callus. Because like in the morning, you have primarily infrared light. Infrared light preconditions the skin to absorb UV light, which is really where it's at. UV light is a healthy form of light. Every, everybody thinks it's bad and, you know, ultraviolet damage and all this other stuff. We can get into another talk about why that's bollocks. But UV light is actually where a lot of the regeneration and, and, and health comes in, it's just been, been demonized, almost kind of like, like fat. Fat's been demonized, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you're out in the morning, all you have to do is just be out. Even if it's overcast, it doesn't matter. 42% of the light that hits is infrared. So morning light is where you will build your melatonin, where your cortisol will be attenuated, where your adrenals will calm down, and you will begin to shrink. Remember I was talking about the geometry of your of your mitochondria, the tighter that they are, then the more efficient they run. The more efficient they run, the more you use energy better and you have to eat less because a lot of times if you have gaps in energy, then your, your body will try to make up for it by increasing your appetite so that you can eat food and get more energy. Is this, so why, people a lot of aren't, is this why we're not as hungry when we're like in the sun all day? Absolutely. You can be on the beach and you, know, you don't have to eat all day. And it's because we're completely connected into the ground or, you know, the sand. So you're getting a magnetic field that's pulling inflammation out of you and allowing the electrons to tunnel to a much greater degree. And then you're exposed to the sun as well. It's like you're being, it's like you're plugged into a, it's like a phone charger being plugged in. A charging station. (laughs) That sounds Because that's what it is. You can be healthy just lying there. Like you, you're, you can tell everyone, no, I have to stay on the ground. You don't understand. I have to lay here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Hug a tree, all of those things in the sun, you know, like, it's, it's a real thing, and it's all, it's all based in physics, and that's why, you so, know, it, yeah. it seems like woo. Well, it does mm-hmm. until you realize that, like, normal is not working. Like, I'm tired of people blaming the woo when, like, it's actually just common sense, right? And it's a way to, like, diminish, right. like, woo is a way to diminish witches and, and the, the more intuitive female side of things. It's meaning. Right. 
even though I say it myself, but just again, if we're going to talk about how the patriarchy has screwed us left and right, let's add that to it too. But it's like normal is not freaking working. Why is everyone afraid to be weird when normal is so unhealthy? I don't know. That's my little rant. But so you're saying 15 minutes in the morning is a great place to start as, as the sun's coming up or morning light, whatever it is, whatever you can get in go out there and start to build what you're calling our solar callus. I love that, but it's kind of like our, how we're charged up from a sun standpoint. Right. I usually recommend my clients go do a walk in the morning. So just I've, a nice, easy. Sorry. I'm getting so excited because I've, I've tr- been trying this before we were going to, and it, it makes such a difference for me. Like I take coffee out. Granted, it's nice to have a dog. You have a reason, but I've been working up to 45 minutes in the morning. I'm not going to look directly at the sun anymore, but I've been working at, at like, 45 minutes. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. You do a nice little walk in the morning, get your skin exposed, your head, your, you know, there's, there's light receptors in your skin, all over your skin. Obviously, that's how we tan. So, you know, you do like a 30 to 45 minute walk in the morning and you are good to go. And then your only job after that is to limit and protect yourself from blue light and artificial light. Because most people, after that time, they go into work and they go indoors and they're exposed to this and that. So what you want to do is you want to take as many precautions as you possibly can to protect yourself against blue light. Because blue light by itself, like say on a phone or on a TV and a computer screen, is absent of all of the other balancing out colors that you get in full spectrum light. And that's where the damage is. That's where it's, it's, it's a problem. Because you're getting exposed to not only one frequency of light that uncouples you which is a bad thing, creates inflammation, all these other things, but it's high power too. Like I said, blue light in the sun is 1400 Kelvin on a phone. It's 6,000, 6,500, and they're getting even, even, even more powerful. So that's the problem. So the things that you can do is basically you want to make sure that you protect your eyes. And so what I do, and we talked about this before, is I always make sure that I have eye protection. So I, I take a couple of different measures. So on your smartphone, you have, if you have an Android, you have a, a blue light filter, right? So you, you click on that and it kind of gives you a small little, a slight yellow haze over your phone, which is good. Not good enough, but it's a good start. On an iPhone, it's called night shift mode, I think, right? So you can put that on. I also use a app called Iris. Iris is a blue light filter app and I keep it on all the time because that filters out even more blue light. On the iPhone, I think there's an app called Flux. I'm not exactly sure. I have an Android, so I, I'm not really I'm not too familiar with the iPhone stuff, but I, I know them by name. So it's like a Flux. The app is called Flux. So you put night shift mode on, you use the Flux app, and then I even go the distance with glasses. So you have blue light blocking glasses that you can get relatively cheap. You can find them on Amazon. I have three pairs. I have the designer, fancy, chic looking ones that are made by a company called Prospect, P-R-O-S-P-E-K. You can find those on Amazon. They are lightly tinted and they have they block 50% of the blue light. So I use those when I'm going out or if I don't want to look too weird because they do have a yellow tint. The more blue you block, the yellower the glasses are typically, right? So I use those when I go out or if I'm going to be in, you know, in a concert or, or you know, some kind of public space where there's like you know, artificial lighting and especially at night. I have another pair of glasses by iKeeper that blocks out 98% of the light. And they're a little bit more yellow tinted. And I use those when I'm at home and I'm on my computer. If I'm playing a video game, if I'm looking at a TV or anything like that, because at night I want to make sure that my, I protect my melatonin. 
because my melatonin is a anti-carcinogen, antioxidant. It's going to get my sleep, my repair, my regeneration, all that stuff. So you want to protect it as much as possible. And then I have these other ones that look really funky. They're made by a company called Uvex, U-V-E-X. And they look like they're like welding metal. They're like these big goggles. And if you happen to wear glasses or contacts or, you know, like you have a prescription, you can wear these over the, the glasses because they're that big and they're that, you know, sexy looking. So I wouldn't go out in public with these unless it's like Halloween. But I have those because they block 100% of blue light. So I wear those when, you know, if I have to, when, once I get into bed, I'll wear the big ones just to make sure that I completely protect my melatonin because I'm about to go to bed. So, you know, I set my alarm and all this other stuff. I always turn my phone on airplane mode. Yeah, now, that's I know a big people, one. I, yeah, because what happens is, and it, it's, it's a little tricky nowadays because even if you turn your, your phone on, into airplane mode, it doesn't completely turn the radio off. So you're still getting radio frequency signals bi-directionally at night, even if it's an airplane mode. So you got to watch out for that. But we you want to turn internet. your... I started shutting our internet off at Absolutely. night. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to turn your Wi-Fi off. You don't need it. And it's just a signal that's just radiating through your house at 2.4 gigahertz, you know, constantly. So if you can't turn your phone on airplane mode, maybe you need it on for a certain reason, keep it away from your body and, and away from your person. Because there's a principle in physics called the inverse square law. And it's real simple. It just basically means the further away from it you are, the less of, a, of an effect it has on you. So I know some people that, you know, they, they have their phone right under their pillow or right next to their nightstand. And it's just like, yeah, that's, that's bad. That's bad. It's like, that's like sticking your head in a microwave and then putting it on defrost. Like, you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you keep your phone far away from you. You also want to try to keep your phone away from your body parts when it's on. So I see these girls a lot in the gyms. They stick their phone in their bra strap or in their tank top. That is like, I mean, if you, if you wanted to, if you asked me, how do you get breast cancer? That's what you do. Okay. And I see this happen a lot because, you know, you don't know where to put your phone, especially the phones are big nowadays. So it's like hard to like hold them and, and keep them somewhere. So that's the worst thing you can do. Don't ever put it in your tank top or the bra strap because you're basically irradiating your whole chest cavity. And it also plays a role with your, with your thyroid too, because it's right in that same area. Oh. And one of I was telling you before, like, the effects of radio frequencies and light frequencies are local. So wherever it actually is, is a problem. Like if you keep the phone in your back pocket, like I, I actually keep my phone in my back pocket, but I turn it off. I put it in airplane mode when I'm in transit. And then when I get to an appointment, I place it down somewhere else away from me. You can actually affect the, the organs and the local. Like they've, they've, there's studies that show that males that keep their phones in their front pocket or back pocket have a lower sperm count. Even with females, sometimes they keep it in their back pockets. You have like uh, problems with like ovaries and things like that because you're basically irradiating, you know, those tissues all the time. And the phones, make sure you keep your Bluetooth off, keep your GPS off. The less power that you are demanding of your phone, the better it is for you because all of those things, are, you know, they account for power. And you're sending out frequencies back and forth, you know, every, sec every few seconds to make sure there's no gap in information. That's how the technology works, but it's affecting us, you know, adversely. This is wild. First of all, for everyone listening, I wrote down all the, the glasses and the apps. So on the show notes here, you can find all of that stuff. Second of all, this is making me think, oh my God, I just totally lost my train of thought because <laughs> I did like it's, oh, I remember what I want to say. So just to recap for everyone, two things, you get 
light in through your eye and your skin. So I, I think that's, we were talking around it, but I just wanted to be like, this is why all of this matters because when you're radiating, it's going directly to your skin, which picks up on, on the sunlight. And then obviously your eye, like Brandon said, it's kind of the messenger to your mitochondria, probably in your head and your heart, I guess. Right. Okay. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Let me just say one more thing there before you keep going. The other thing that I need to really mention is like, you know, everybody talks about circadian rhythm, right? Uh-huh. Well, the grand, the granddaddy clock, of your entire body that runs all of your circadian clocks. You have circadian clocks and you have peripheral clocks, right? So there are central clocks and peripheral clocks that all fall under the umbrella of your circadian rhythm. The most important body clock of all is known as the SCN, suprachiasmatic nucleus. That particular clock sits right above the eyes and the retina informs it what it needs to do. It's the grand master clock. And so that's why your eyes are so important because if you're flooding your eyes with incorrect light signals, inappropriate light signals, or overexposure to unhealthy light signals, you can't synchronize your circadian rhythm. You can't synchronize your clock. And all of the clocks below it, all of the peripheral clocks are set based off of the grandmaster clock. So if that one's off, then everything is off. Mm. And the best way to analogize that is through like a GPS, right? And so we have a GPS on our phone, we turn it on, and it relays to a satellite in space. That satellite actually has to run 30 to 40 seconds faster than all the clocks down on Earth because of a complex gravitational lensing is, is the concept. It, it has to do with physics. You don't need to know that. All you need to know is that if that clock in the sky is off, then your ability to navigate is going to be off. So if I need to get to Philly, and that clock in the sky is off, I'm going to end up in Voorhees or I'm going to end up in New Jersey. That's not helpful at all. And it's the same thing in your body. It's the same mechanism and it's all regulated by the eye. So your retina takes in the light signals and helps synchronize your circadian rhythm. That's even more of a reason to, you know, protect the light that you bring into your, to your eye or even lack of. And what if people... That, oh, that's super helpful. I love that. I'm thinking of those like clocks and the cartoons where they used to like ring and like it would just like rattle everything. That's what I'm thinking of when it's off now. It's just like, wow, yeah, like absolutely. you're buzzing. So what if And did people- you know that, one more, one more thing, sorry. Hold yeah, on to no, that. Keep going. One, one more thing that's important in front of every single gene in your body, there's a clock gene that sits right in front of it. And you know why? Because it needs to sync the genome or the, the genetic material so it knows how to function. It's almost like it's an instructions. It's like the instruction manual. So there's a, there's a I think it's called BMAL1 and BMAL2 are clock genes, basically. And they sit in front of every gene in our body. We have 25,000 genes. So every single gene has a clock gene so it knows how to synchronize and function. So all those downstream effects play a part. Mm-hmm. What if people have contacts or glasses? I know you can get prescription glasses my friend got prescription glasses with that blocks out blue light. But what if you have contacts? How does that affect, like, or you just wear regular glasses? How does that affect exposure to light? It does. It kind of like blocks it. Windows block it. You know, like if you're driving in your car and you got the window rolled up and the sun's coming through, it affects it. It doesn't, you don't really get the same quality of light, I guess you could say. So the best thing you can do with it when it comes to contacts is, we, you know, it's not necessary to wear your contacts, like say in the AM and your, let's say you could have like a, a morning tea or something like that, keep your contacts out so that you can at least expose your retinas to natural light before you put your contacts in. Now, obviously that if you need them to see and to walk and all those other things, that makes it a little bit more difficult, but (laughs) try to find some type of opportunity to have naked eyes, have naked skin even, and 
you know, expose yourself to, to the light. And that's the other thing, like the skin also has, so there's a, a receptor, so it's called melanopsin. There's melanopsin in your retina and there's melanopsin receptors in your skin as well. So even if you don't get the eyes, you know, naked exposure to the light, you can also use the skin, which is why it's important to expose your skin and not put on like sunscreen and things like that. That can so, help. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And then I feel like I have so many questions I want to get to before the end. What about longitude of where you are and what about your race? Because like someone like me, who's like Eastern European slash white, I guess, but you're a Dominican, right? No, no. I'm I know you're from Queens, but (laughs) but, but are you from Latin America? No, actually, I don't really have any Hispanic in me, even though I look like it, but But no. I thought you were from one of the islands, part half, weren't you? Well, I mean, I have some like Barbados and Trinidad, but that's That's more like, yeah, that's maybe what you were thinking of. That's me. That's not, that's American bad with geography. (laughs) I'm I'm from where Rihanna's from. Oh, that's Jamaica, I thought. No, Barbados. Oh, you know why I thought that? Because when we went on our honeymoon in Jamaica, they were playing Rihanna. See, this is where my detail, my, my lack of capacity for details. Oh my God, I sound like this ignorant white person. I'm just going to shut up right now. I'm just very yeah, bad at fine. But what about, right. well, what about your, not, I shouldn't even say race because race is a made up construct, but your different skin pigmentations and where you are longitudinally, like where you were born and from versus where you live now. Right. Yeah, it definitely affects it. So what you can do, and I wrote a little blog about this on Medium, if you could post to it in the show notes. I will. A way to build your solar callus is you have to first know what your skin type is. So there's a, a scale, it's called the Fitzpatrick skin type scale. And the skin type scale goes from one to six. One is the lightest. So those are like your gingers, your super pale, lovely folks. And then six is like the people that have super dark skin, equatorial individuals, people that are, I guess, genetically designed to be in very strong light cycles, because obviously the darker you are, the more you're able to protect against very, very strong light. And the lighter you are, so like from Northern, Northern European, Northern Hemisphere areas, you need more light. And so you want to be able to keep, you don't want to have the skin too dark because you offload too much UV, but that's, that's getting off track. Basically, what you do is you take your skin type and you use a metric of vitamin D because vitamin D obviously is made from sunlight. It doesn't really work very well when you take vitamin D supplements if your light environment isn't that great. They can work if your light environment is that great, but if it is that great, then you don't need vitamin D supplements. So it kind of cancels (laughs) each other out, right? Anyway, so what you do is like the standard daily vitamin D production is about 5,000 IUs, okay? And so you can use that D-Minder app. And what you do is you expose your skin and your eyes to the sun for certain time periods. So for example, if you have Fitzpatrick skin type one, where you're very pale skin, very white skin, and you're looking at about, you need about 15 to 45 minutes of skin exposure, eye exposure to build vitamin D, about 5,000 IUs. If you're, let's say, skin type number six, and you say you're super dark, like a Lupita Nyong'o or somebody like that, right? You need about two hours because your skin, the pigmentation is so dark, it takes a lot longer for that UV to penetrate and get in and and do its work. So you need a little bit longer time. So what you can do is you basically just take your skin type and you practice just like a training program, an exercise program. You use your, your time frame 
like 15 to 45 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour, depending on your, your skin type. I have a chart on the, the blog post where you just practice that over and over again. And what that does is this is what you can use it is for AM light. So sunrise is usually around like seven o'clock or later, depending on where you are. So if you catch it right before the sun comes up, you get plenty of IR or infrared light. And then when the sun starts to rise, you get a little bit more blue light because blue light in full spectrum light is healthy. And what that has is it has more UV in it. And UV is where all the healthy stuff does, where the, all the healthy parts of the, the light spectrum work on it. And so what happens is if you expose yourself to the UV light for that time period, that 15, 45 minutes or depending on whatever it is, then you start to build a solar callus. Over and over again, you do this, just like repetitions in an exercise program. So you do this, and then after a while, when you're, let's say you do go to the beach or, or some environment that's typically strong, you'll be able to handle much more UV light and not get burnt. Now, it's not a foolproof thing where, you know, if like you're in Philadelphia for, I don't know, several months out of the year, and then all of a sudden you go to Jamaica you're probably going to get burned because that's a different kind of sun, right? Or even like, like a place like Florida, like Miami, you know, like that would be the first exposure. But you'll generally be able to tolerate more UV light and it'll be able to work on you. And just so you know, like when you get sunburned or a lot of times when you're in the sun all day, you radiate heat, you know, at night, like when you sleep. Sometimes it's hard to sleep because your body is offloading the UV into your tissues. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if you take in too much light, or not too much, but if you take in a lot of light, your body has to try and process it. So it goes through this processing, you know, phase where it's like offloading UV into your tissues and that's helping heal and repair you and all those other things, but it obviously generates heat. So you're releasing heat. And so sometimes that you can be a little warm at night. The same thing happens with like freckles. So you'll notice if you're in the sun and you have like a freckle, you know, there's obviously melanopsin receptors in the freckles to a greater degree than part of your skin that doesn't have freckles. So they absorb UV light to a greater degree. And so the freckles will get a little, a little bit darker. And it's basically storing solar radiation, which is healthy, solar radiation in those little receptors so that it can deliver it to your tissues, deliver it to your mitochondria. Now, if you put sunscreen on or if you have clothes on and things like that, it blocks all of that. So you don't get any of those benefits. But if you build your solar callus over time, you'll be able to spend hours and hours you know, out in the sun once you get it to a certain degree. And I used, I was practicing that all summer. I've done that for the past few years. And even now that it's like turning into winter, I have a couple of perk spots that I go to in between appointments where I'll go, I'll sit, and I'll look directly, not directly into the sun, but I'll look into the direction of the sun and make sure that I, you know, bathe my retinas and get that UV light because obviously light is weaker during the winter. It's, there's, there's less of it. And so that's, that plays into like seasonal affective disorder and all these other things. It's a lack of light. So I make sure that I always get my light nutrients during the day so that I'm good to go. And I actually can feel it. I feel that as soon as like the light starts to hit my retinas, it starts to warm me up and I lose my appetite because I'm getting those electrons that I need to fuel the system. So it's not like I don't ever get hungry, but you know, the like cravings, I guess you could say is a, is a great way to put it. Like, you know, sometimes you have like cravings. A lot of them are, are mental, but also are physical. Like you actually need the nutrition. I can get the nutrition from the sun and just by, you know, bathing my retinas for like 15 minutes and because I've built up my solar callus over time. So that was going to be my question. So it, because again, 
health is what's interesting to me first of all is how even though nature is so powerful it's so forgiving like if we only need 30 to 45 minutes a day and then minimizing the rest like it's not like we need to be outside all day like nature builds in lots of room for error so if we're working on this for like years at a time is it better to like stock up can you stock up in the summer so that you have like Reserve. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can stock up in, in, in the summer. And that's actually what I've been doing for the past couple of weeks, because it's starting to get colder now. So I've been taking advantage as much as possible. But you know, I have a callus built up where I can exploit that, you know, it's almost kind of like, uh, like I said, it's like a training program, if you have a certain level of strength, you'll be able to express that unless you've trained it. But this goes back to the non-linearity of it. You only need a little bit of that AM sunlight or daybreak light to have huge effects on your overall, you know, biology. But the, the, the thing that you really have to protect against is the blue light. You know what I mean? So like yeah. you only need like say 15 to a half an hour of restorative rejuvenative AM light, but you need to protect against all that other blue light crap that you get during the day and in the evening. That's where the, the real problem is. So, you know, the hard part isn't the AM stuff. That's, that's okay. Like, yeah, you may have to get up a little bit earlier. You may have to take a walk. That won't kill you. That's extra cardio. But what's really tough is, you know, not looking at your phone 200 times a day, which is the latest studies have shown that we do that now, sometimes 300, especially the younger you are, not coming home and preparing yourself for, for sleep, you know, like powering down. Like you want to make sure that your lights are dim and you want to keep the, you know, the volume low on your TV and, you want to make sure that you have your glasses on to protect that melatonin that your eye is making. You don't want to be on your phone too long, obviously, for mental reasons too, like, you know, mental health. So you want to make sure that you limit your exposure, like, to all of your electronics at night and at least protect yourself. You know, have your, your apps working so that it protects the blue light filter, night shift mode, all of those things. They're like little pieces that you put into a whole protocol to kind of like protect against you know, the, the, the damages of, of blue light. If you do that, then building your solar callus will be a, a breeze because you're accounting for all the things that are actually, actually detrimental to you. I love that. I've been stopping putting, you know, I rent a co-working space. I don't put the overhead light on anymore. Like I, I try to, and I guess you could also wear clothes though indoors to protect yourself from all that light. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's actually when you want to wear clothes because... Yeah. <laughs> Was, For many I reasons. Telling you, right, exactly. Like because you have those skin receptors and they're paying attention to that light too. I, I can just imagine health nuts walking into their co-working space naked. It's like it's part of my it's part of my cleanse, you know. Oh yeah. I got my big buggy glasses at home with a trench coat on. I got my hood on, protecting my head and all this other stuff inside. But then, you know, I walk out of my backyard and you know, it's just like free willy. So, I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. It's the world we live in. So. All right. <laughs> One more question because, I mean, we've talked a, a lot around it and everything. And, and I love this idea that, like, if we get the nutrients we need, basically we need electrons and we don't need people yep. stealing our electrons, which is, sounds like, you know, blue light does. Oh, yeah. If we look at food through a light density, are we looking then mm -hmm. for, like, seaweed that, like, you know, absorbs so much light at the bottom of the ocean or, like, how do we start looking at nutrition through a light? Okay, so the best, way, the best way to look at nutrition is through, so maybe some of your listeners have heard of ATP, right? ATP, adenosine triphosphate, it's considered the unit of energy that the body runs off of. It's not exactly the truth, but for explanation purposes, let's just consider that, right? For every mole of 
carbohydrate or glucose that you ingest. You know, you ingest the food, it breaks down into glucose. And the same thing happens with protein. You get 36 ATP to use in your cell to run cellular programs and dynamics. If you take a, let's say, a mole of lipid, like, you know, some type of uh, fatty acid, like a DHA or something like that, you get 147 ATP. So what happens is ATP basically turns into electrons, right? So the electron density of a carbohydrate and a protein is three times less than a fat. And this is why the ketogenic diet works, because it's primarily like a fat and protein diet. You're getting a huge electron density. So you're looking for your fats like avocados and things like that, coconuts, coconut oil, butter even, you know, all of those things. More fats actually tend to have more of an electron density, so you get more energy from them. And you don't need to eat as much because they are dense. You know, like there's nine calories per gram of fat. So that's not a lot when you factor it into an overall diet. Is so, that why keto is that why keto can like really stop like if you need it for like a temporary time point because you're also just getting so many electrons? Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now once it has that effect because you're getting an electron density, so the mitochondria get really charged up by this, which is which is great. But what happens is the the light environment tends to once you adapt to the diet, which everybody does, your light environment then tends to over overpower that and mm. depending on how, how well it is will determine like what the effect and the outcome is. So if, it's, you if your light environment is not... Hmm? Well, what I was going to say is, I think this is the emphasis on you can only get so much from nutrition, right? It's like not the be all and all. Absolutely. If you want to look at it from a quantum biology standpoint, food makes up about 30 to 33% of your overall energy needs. Mm. That's all it's supposed to do. The rest you get from sunlight and from your own metabolics. The mitochondria actually drive a lot of that. That's why exercise is helpful. Grounding is helpful. Meditation is helpful because you're basically just creating and generating your own electrons, but yeah. you have to do it in the right environment. And then food becomes like we used to call dinner a sup, uh, supper. And that's because it was a supplement, you know, and like dinners didn't really, wasn't even really a thing until the turn of the century and restaurants and, you know, all this other stuff came into being. So, but you know, we didn't, didn't eat a lot. And that's because the, what made up our entire diet was only about 30 to 40% of our overall energy needs because we were so connected into the ground. We were outside more. We didn't have technology, you know, things like that. So again, going back to nature and what's natural is where the, the antidote is. And it's so, it seems like ridiculous because it's so simple. That's why it's like so unbelievable because it's just like, really? It's almost like it's too good to be, to be true, but it actually is. Yeah. When I, and also when you said like meditation, I'm also thinking like with my clients, we work on, you know, really transforming their stress and it releases so like on a metaphorical level, it releases so much energy. And they're like, this was simple. Like, I mean, it's hard to do, but then the long-term effects are we're actually re removing resistance and removing energy drains. And it's just like so simple. And they're like, wait, I didn't add more to do. I just removed my bad habits. And it's like, yeah, you freed up so much energy instead of just <laughs> up against, you know, what we resist persists. But it just makes me think of how elegant and simple nature is. And yet we try to, we, we create so many technologies that solve the previous technologies issues. Right? <laughs> Rather and that's than the thing, like nature is so sophisticated. Our mitochondria, our physiology is so sophisticated that it's almost an embarrassment to, that, that we make the attempts that we try to make. It's like, it's already, 
it's so, it's so perfect. It's it's like a, it's embarrassing. It's like yeah. we need to like do less uh, addition by subtraction. How about that? Yeah. Oh my God, you're the so season seven, episode seven, the last episode of this. Ayana Gardner, who is Alana Gardner, who's actually in Philly. She's a trainer, uh, or a mm-hmm. flywheel instructor and a therapist. She said the same thing. People will listen to that episode. Addition by subtraction. I love it. It's it's a theme. Yeah. When you get to the root, you simplify, so you have more time. So basically, what I'm hearing is we can all move to where Rihanna lives, get naked, and stay on the beach, and we'll lose weight. <laughs> you can do that, or you can do it in your own backyard. Yeah. <laughs> as, as long as long as you catch the light when it's the right time. Obviously, in the winter, it's more difficult. But then also make sure that you mitigate your blue light exposure. That's that's yeah. a big thing. Yeah, that's yeah, a big yeah. thing. If you, you should actually start with that. Mm. Making yeah, us do the hard stuff first. Yeah, because that's if, if the rest is a breeze after you do that. Yeah, yeah. Get and the funky had- glasses. Download the apps and just get her done. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, as, as I wanted to experiment with this before I like talked about it, and I have noticed it's subtle. And again, it may build as my callus builds. Because I also, I got to tell you, this learning this, I actually bought shorts this summer. I swore I would never wear shorts again. And I bought them yeah. because I wanted to get the sun this summer. But what I've been Good. noticing as I use the glasses, I feel like I have more energy at the end of the day. And then I don't go on my phone at night. I feel calm enough that when I come home from my co-working space, we go walk coffee in the evening and I don't get back on the phone. But when I'm tired and I think it's from the light all day, then it makes me, then I, that's when I scroll and everything. It's almost like I'm trying to get the dopamine and the energy. Rather well, exactly. Than- You're supposed to get it from the sun. But then what happens is if we get addicted to the phones, then we try to get our dopamine through the phone. So that's why we got to check it all the time. But if you're out and you're exposing your eyes to, you know, natural light, that dopamine builds. And so you don't, you don't need the smart drug, yeah, like the, the-, the, the phone, the smartphone. Yeah, because the smartphones, they actually drain our dopamine. Like blue light, takes it takes dopamine electrons. <laughs> I don't even know if dopamine right. has electrons, but... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it destroys dopamine. And so the only way for you to get it is through the phone. And the, like when you get a ding, when you get a notification, when you get a, a call, when you get a text, it's been shown to release dopamine. Yeah, but doesn't the light like drain your dopamine? Not It does. It, yeah. it, it does, but it's, it's almost kind of like a tap. It's like a drip, like a drip feed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I know we have taken so much of your time, Brandon. This was amazing. I really hope people take it to heart. It took me – I had heard about this like a couple years ago and was kind of like, yeah, yeah. But as I really understood the paradigm shift, that's when I started to experiment with it and everything. Just a, a, subtle but profa- a subtle and profound difference. So thank you so much for your time. Where can people find more of you? In addition to, we will have all of this linked on the show notes, but where can people find you? So I basically only typically operate on Instagram. My handle is like Brandon Body Logic, all one word, Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, Body Logic, B-O-D-Y-L-O-G-I-C. And I am working on a website to offer online health consultations with specific services like lab work, genetics, and metabolic analytics, I guess you could call it. And then also I have, you know, some of the programs for en- enhancing your light environment and-, and protecting against blue. I do a lot of my blogging on Medium, and I'll be putting up a new blog there, I think, tomorrow. But yeah. That's pretty much where I am at the moment. And then, I mean, you could find me through you, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if people want to reach out directly, I mean, I've trained with you. You're great. And I'll link to your Medium post. But also, for those in Philly, you're opening... Oh, that's right. I am opening up a healthy cafe with smoothies and coffee and fresh, fresh juices and gluten-free and keto-friendly and paleo, all this stuff. I live in an up-and-coming neighborhood that has no healthy foods. And, you know, I'm replacing the lights with infrared lights. I'm having, you know, good quality stuff. Everything's it's going to be like a nice little healthy oasis in a town full of bars. <laughs> yeah, so. and that's in the Point Breeze neighborhood for Philly folks? Point Breeze, yeah. And I'll also leave my email and, you know, contact information with you so that you can post that to the show notes as well. So oh, if anybody okay. wanted to kind of like hear about when the cafe is opening or if they want to work with me or anything like that, I can, you know, send that along. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Brandon. Everyone is going to love this. <laughs> Go out I, and I miss, I miss you. Let's do another one because this is like complex stuff. I didn't even get to the, well, we'll, we'll save that for another time. Yeah, we'll have you come back on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. Thank you, Health Rebels, for tuning in today. Have a reaction, question, or want the transcript from today's episode? Find me at alishapiro.com. I'd love if you leave a review on Apple Podcast and tell your friends and family about Insatiable. It helps us grow our community and share a new way of approaching health in our bodies. Thanks for engaging in a different kind of conversation. And remember, always, your body truths are unique, profound, real, and liberating. Thank you.